We all deal with the Sunday scaries, right? Sunday scaries are those oh shit, stressful, nervous, can't sleep, dread feelings that hit you on Sunday evenings when you think about work or just freaking life. Unfortunately, you can feel that same pit in your stomach any day of the week. Thankfully, Sunday Scaries CBD gummies were made to defeat the crap that life throws at us. These are the perfect CBD gummies for professionals on the grind, super moms, students, party animals, and everyone in between. Look, I get really nervous before these interviews that we do, so I take two CBD gummies every Sunday before these interviews, and the Sunday Scaries are gone. I have no problem with these interviews. So we've partnered with Sunday Scaries to bring you an incredible offer. Head over to sundayscaries.com and use promo code DELUXE15 at checkout to get 15% off of your entire order. That's sundayscaries.com and use promo code DELUXE15 at checkout to save 15% off of your entire order. This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. friends welcome to another episode of deluxe edition my name is ray and i am the host of this thing and with me as always the man who has enough pop culture knowledge to fill up the grand fucking canyon casey Shear. how are you buddy that is a that is a very generous compliment because we both know that's not true <laughs> uh, maybe the pennsylvania grand canyon how you feeling there, buddy? I'm feeling really good, man. We did we did something very different on the show uh, since you have been a part of it. Ray yeah. took over the hosting duties for this show. I, I did. It was weird because I'm so used to just drinking beer and hanging out and listening and contributing like 8-10% of the show. This time I really I went above and beyond my 10%. You know, my, my pay grade... 10%. So I went way above that on this one. But uh, we did. We talked to uh, our, our good friend, J.D. Slackert, who is back for his second appearance. And it could not have gone better. Yeah, this I mean, really couldn't have gone any better for picking you as the host for this episode, because yeah. as you'll notice during the episode, I I wasn't there for much of it. My Internet was in and out and I just left for a while. And I, I actually can't wait to hear it myself because I, I didn't hear most of it. Yeah, I'm assuming Casey was on top of his house, like jiggling antennas and shit, trying to get stuff working. <laughs> yeah, almost, but, almost. But before we can do that, we have to do the housekeeping. 
You can find all the other episodes, and there's over a hundred of them at deluxeedition.show. So go there. Plenty of stuff to check out. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Deluxe Edition Pod. And if you would like to support the show monetarily, and I understand, you know, if you don't want to do that, that's fine, but go to patreon.com forward slash Deluxe Edition Pod. And if you would like a sweet t shirt, go over to whatamaneuver.net forward slash collections forward slash Deluxe, little slashy thing. Uh, edition, get yourself a t-shirt. Or you can go over to my shop at Tee Public at the 10 Cent Beer Night Podcast Store and get your lady friends a white tank top for summer. And they're on sale right now. So if you hurry, they're only $13. Yeah, and we are a part of the Deluxe Edition Network, The Den, which is the new home of independent awesomeness. So go check out all our other podcasts. There's like, what are we up to? 150 podcasts on this network now. <laughs> yeah, there's. It's a, it's like 26 now, but man, we have a lot of good shows on the network now. It's it's amazing. Yeah, there are some uh, amazing amazing shows. Uh, definitely check everyone out. But the podcasts of the month for May are the Real Drunks and Horsing Around. Go check them out deluxeeditionnetwork.com All right, we ready to do this interview? Yes, we are. All right, let's go. There he is. Let him in. <laughs> my my boys, how are we doing, fellas? What's going on, JD? What's going on, brother? Hey, it's uh what a pleasure it is to be back with my favorite podcast out there. Oh, that's that's excellent. Oh, man. So- I've been looking forward to this for a while. See, there's the hat. There we go. Go get them on the website. Yeah. That was a hand delivery too, actually. I'm, obviously, I'm sure Casey mentioned that. But yeah, yeah. man, that, that was an in-person, no uh, no shipping cost, nothing like that. <laughs> that. That's a good deal if you can make that happen for everyone in America. Yeah, you know, I'll have I'll have buddies that reach out to me and they're like super excited about the hat. And then I get that that next text like, so could you just bring it to my house? And I'm like, dude, I, I don't know about that. But like, you know, once you start making those in-person deliveries, people, yeah, people start asking for it. So, oh, yeah. you know, you could you could charge for that delivery, though. Yeah, maybe even give it like a little signature or something. Who knows? I mean, you know, it's it's we're early. We're early in the merch process. I'm doing what I can to uh, navigate those interesting waters, but uh, it's been fun, man. I mean, I think the hat is uh, such a cool tool, you know, like given that, you know, not everyone reads, uh, but maybe they love that message of you're not alone and boom, yeah. they're they're buying the hat. And so, yeah, I've had people that have reached out that, I feel like maybe weren't fans of the book or 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 weren't readers, but um, you know wanted to get a hat, wanted to support in a different way. So that was cool too. Yeah, I find that when I drink a lot, it's hard to read, but it's easy to wear a hat. So I'm on board with that program. Exactly, man. You know, at that point, a hat still carries the same message. So there you go. And and then you could tell people you read too. You could, I mean, it's a good conversation starter. Like, hey, this is from this book I, I read and love. So, well, yeah. it's funny you bring that up because there, there's been so many times when I've worn this hat through an airport 
or at the grocery store and people have said to me i love that hat man and i i'm yeah. this is my boy jd slap that's right you'll buy the book right. yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's cool man i mean i appreciate that support and appreciate your guys' support on all fronts, man, with the nonprofits I'm with, with the books. Uh, you guys are killers, man. So I, uh, it means a lot. And, and uh, I'm serious when I say it was this date was circled to return and speak with you guys tonight uh, <laughs> for that reason, because I know we had a good time the first time. But yeah, the hat thing is, uh, it's cool. I mean, I think, um, you know, the merch stuff is... I don't know. People can people can get like a little bit uh, frustrated, maybe if you're like promoting something so much on your social media or trying to profit off of like every which way you can off a book and, and do other things. But to be honest, I haven't really had uh, that issue. I've, so many people have been supportive. Uh, tell me the same things like wearing the hat and then people say, oh, my God, you know what? I love that hat. What's it about or where's it from? And ask more so. Um, it's cool, man. It's, 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 I think it's great to, to share that message in a different way. Um, so yeah, I appreciate that. So, so, uh, here's, here's what's happening tonight there, JD. So because you're a returning guest, yep. Casey has decided that now all returning guests have to deal with me as the host. <laughs> hey, that's good with me, man. I'm, I'm ready to go. So. Because the last time we talked, I said to you, when you come back, we're going to have fun this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're not we're not doing the serious thing it's this time. Too intense, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have fun. So I, I hope you're ready to have fun. I'm ready. Let's go. All right. So I did I did some intensive digging into your past. Oh, good. <laughs> trying to dig up any kind of dirt that I could find. Yeah, yeah. And I was shocked. At what I found. <laughs> nothing. I found nothing. There is no good dirt on you. Look, I wouldn't say that's totally true. Um, I think everybody's got, you know, people maybe that they've wronged or scorned or, or whatever. But I um, maybe it's because I'm a little young, you know, maybe I haven't been out in the world long enough to make like a real enemy yet. Um <laughs> But uh, hope, I mean, I, I guess that's a good thing that maybe I was I was squeaky clean according to your digging. But I, I searched, man. I put in JD car thief. I put in <laughs> JD selling drugs. I couldn't find nothing. <laughs> so so I'm pretty happy with that though. I, I think that's, that's good great. Thing. I'm I'm pleased to hear that. Um. So uh, Miami Heat. Yeah, oh my god. You see the lob pass from Gabe Vincent to oh Jimmy Butler the other night. Did you see that? I uh of course, um I talked to Gabe right after the game actually. Uh he was super excited and um you know, it's funny, man. I mean, Gabe is we could we could spend a whole episode just talking about my relationship with Gabe Vincent and uh his importance in my life. Uh and then the, obviously the life of Luke's and you know everything that we've done, but he is, uh, he is incredible, man. I mean, I, I'd be the first to tell you, like, I didn't think this was going to happen to him, like making it to the NBA, being a starter in the NBA, and then being the starter in the NBA on a, like a playoff team. Yeah. Um, but here he is just continuing to like blow up like expectations out of the water. And I've spoken to, you know, other people that are close with him over the last like couple weeks and, the, the one thing I just say now, man, is like I'm never going to doubt him 
ever again. Like, like he had 20 points tonight against the Knicks and everyone was like, wow, that's amazing. You know, I was at Luke Strong charity event this afternoon. They're like, wow, that's amazing. He did so great. And I was like, I, it's Gabe, man. Of course he did that. Like, I, what's he going to have 40 next game? Like, I, I'm not, I'm not doubting him ever again. I made that mistake already. And uh, yeah, I'm just so happy for him. I know he's super excited. I think this, this series against the Knicks is, uh, totally winnable um and yeah sky's the limit i mean they, with jimmy butler i think that he can beat anybody so yeah is uh is he still wearing the wristbands i i couldn't tell on the videos yeah he is man he is uh you'll have to it's 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 sometimes hard to catch like on that super like kind of zoomed out camera right um but yeah he he still wears it which is pretty amazing and uh yeah it's i mean i catch all my heat games man i'm, I'm close with max Struess, duncan robinson uh bam out of bio he came to my family's restaurant and had dinner there that was pretty fun so yeah those boys are uh they're doing great man so are you gonna pick them to to win the whole thing then oh for sure a hundred percent. I got the heat winning the NBA. I'm going, I'm wherever it is. I'm going, I might even get out to New York actually for this series. Um, so we'll see. That's uh that's to be determined, but yeah, I've been talking to actually some Santa Barbara alumni that are like, man, we got to get out there. So yeah, every time Gabe has a great game, I get like 45 texts from like all <laughs> these people that I've played with and yeah, it's pretty funny, but. So we, we kind of jumped over the connection there. Can you just tell people yeah. real quick how you and, and Gabe know each other? Yeah, so Gabe, Gabe Vincent was my college teammate. Uh, we both played at UC Santa Barbara where I played college basketball at. And, um, yeah, we were best friends and lived together. And, you know, we're like basically roommates all of college. And um, he was also very close to Luke Bodden, who was the little boy that passed away from sickle cell disease that I wrote my first book about. And um, now Gabe plays for the Miami Heat and uh, we've just remained ever close. And he's kind of my, you know, before he was like really famous and well-known, he was kind of my biggest supporter and fan too. So we've been best friends forever. And uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty wild to have a, a, f- a friend that close who's that big of a superstar. And um, I'm just excited for him, man. So nice. So also when we spoke last time, I had asked you about uh, bucket list travel destinations and you listed Australia and Spain and Germany on your list. (laughs) Have you made it to any of those places yet? You know, what's hilarious, man. And I I mean, this, this, this might be another sort of uh, indication of, of how electric you both are is uh, I actually am supposed to be going to Spain hopefully like like fingers crossed with gabe this summer uh so it's just ironic that that's the next question but because he's actually never been to europe and i've done my fair bit of traveling to europe uh and been fortunate to do so but yeah he's never he's never been so this off season he said like dude we got to get overseas I, i gotta see that part of the world and just escape a little bit and uh yeah but the funny thing is every time we talk about it they end up advancing to another round of the playoffs. So that, that plan is really being uh, encroached upon with another deep run. So I think a part of him is like, all right, like let's win the NBA finals, but also like I, I, I'm looking forward to some sort of vacation in Spain. So I uh, it's, it's a win-win, I guess, but yeah, that's the point. You know, he'll have plenty of time at the end of the summer to go to Europe. So that's, that's fine. Well, You'd think so, but to be honest, so the finals could go into way all the way into June, 
Right. And usually like in the previous years, he also plays for the uh, Nigerian national team. And they would like where the minute his season ends, he'd go and do some uh, event with them and have like, uh, you know, exhibition game or he went and played the Olympics. And I think it was maybe it was Tokyo. I feel like it was uh, a couple of years ago with them. And so, yeah, he's, He's his he's tough to to end down. So yeah, his off seasons are usually short. Um, but anyway, yeah, does, that's the plan. Does, does he hold uh, dual citizenship? Then yeah, he does. He does. Um, he has. You have to to play for the Olympic. No, that's team. what I thought because yeah. I, I I was pretty sure he was born in California. So his dad is Nigerian, um, and he uh, Gabe. I want to say during like his maybe his junior year of college uh was going back to nigeria to to work on getting citizenship and doing all of that i'm not exactly exactly sure like the full details of like how that all happened but i know they like the nigerian national team he played for they have like eight or nine different american nigerian dual citizenship players um like you know, Chemezi Metu, I know, is a guy who plays for the Kings. He's also on the team. Josh Kogi. Uh, there's like a lot of NBA guys that are on that Nigerian team. Um, so it's kind of interesting. But yeah, yeah, Gabe was born in California. Yeah, that's what I thought. I just think that's kind of weird that he sneaks off and plays for another country when he feels like it. A lot of guys do it. A lot. I, I think it's pretty popular. Like, I think the, ex- like, exactly the, uh, requirement is 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 not as like it's it's looser than you'd think um but i think that's kind of like that for all sports like world cup for soccer i know that's like a controversial thing um but yeah i mean these countries you know they do what they can to get like like mike brown was the coach and he's the coach of sacramento mm-hmm. kings now and he coaches the uh nigerian team so yeah it's huh. it's huh. it's kind of interesting how there's a lot of like american influence on all sports but so uh so growing up what was the nba team that you rooted for that's a good that's a great question um you know i'm from la so you'd think i'd be like some big laker fan but i actually really didn't like the lakers uh they just kind of <laughs> rubbed me the wrong way man like they i don't know I, you know i i just didn't like them and so i was a celtic <laughs> fan and i was a huge larry bird fan oh, yeah. um i love paul pierce i love kevin garnett so those series when I was like in the early 2000s and they were playing the Lakers were pretty hectic in my household. Like my dad was not happy with me. Um, but yeah, I was going hard for the uh, Celtics. So yeah, that was my squad. You, you can't tell anybody because I'm from Cleveland, but I also like the uh, the Celtics. Oh, really? Yeah, that's kind of a kind of a bad thing to say. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a big Larry Bird. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's not you can't say that out loud here. You, you know, it's almost you can't even wear green here. You know, it's it's bad. Well, a, I mean, you guys have had some humble beginnings as a as a uh, as a sports yeah. city, but like when LeBron brought that title home, I don't know, was that twenty eighteen or something, or maybe twenty sixteen? Sixteen, I believe. Yeah, that was pretty pretty amazing, man. That was one of the coolest things in sports for him to come back to Cleveland and win it. Yeah, and, um, and being down uh, three games to one and the, yeah. the whole thing was just insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not the biggest LeBron fan either, but when he did that, it was kind of like one of those moments in sports where, like, you have to just appreciate 
greatness, right? Like you can't say well, that wasn't insane. Well, well, by the other side of the the coin, there. Um, how do you feel about Kyrie? Do you, do you actually think he's crazy? You know, I've got some people close to me in my life, and it's funny we're talking about hoops because I never get the chance to do this. Because obviously, when I come on podcasts, it's so much about my books and yeah. uh, my speaking. I, I told and- you, you're not allowed to talk about. <laughs> But I have such deep ties within the sports community that most people don't even know about um, because it's just, you know, from my background. And Mm -hmm. so anyway, I actually have people that know Kyrie personally, and I've had I've heard mixed things. Like I've actually heard some people tell me like, hey, he's actually super kind, um, you know, really like remembers your name, um, you know, goes up and introduces himself like so my little brothers played in some pickup games with him last summer. And they were telling me stories that, you know, they weren't sure how it was going to go. And he couldn't have been nicer. Like first one in the gym, shook each of their hands, introduced himself. Hey, I'm Kyrie. Nice to meet you. What's your name? And then as he left, thanked them for playing with him by name. And uh, yeah, just couldn't have been more pleasant. But then I've also heard things that he is just a bit uh, short fused, I guess is like probably the appropriate way to put it. Like, you know, he just he just kind of loses his temper and gets uh I don't know, kind of, kind of hot headed, but mm-hmm. it's I, honestly when I hear about things like what happened with him and and the issues surrounding him, it's kind of like the John ja Morant thing where it's I just sort of feel bad for the guy, knowing like he just doesn't have good people maybe around him, like maybe he's getting bad advice or 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 just getting pulled in a million different directions and doesn't know which way is up and. uh yeah, I mean, you're that young and that wealthy and that famous. Like, it's pretty intense. And and to kind of segue that into Gabe, like, I like to think that's kind of some of my role with him is like, hey, you know, we shouldn't do this or like we should go home like it's too late. And uh, Gabe's been pretty straight and narrow, and I think that's why he's so successful is because um, he's got good people around him. Because I think when you are that – uh, in that type of world, you have to be very careful. But uh, yeah, Kyrie, I, I don't, I've never met him personally, but I, I do feel like maybe he's a bit misunderstood, and hopefully, he can get some better people in his life. But I was going to say, like the the whole uh, flat Earth thing. Do you think he's just messing with people with this <laughs> stuff? Um, he's got to be, man. I mean, he's he's got kind of that troll in him a little bit, like and he also just kind of calls out things for no reason. So I don't know. I mean, (laughs) Kyrie's got more than one thing that he needs to probably figure out, but (laughs) so, um, Cleveland great though, right? Like a part of that title team. I mean, he hit one of the biggest shots ever. Like that shot was amazing over, uh, one of the iconic man. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, no matter what, it's like you can't help but deny what he did for Cleveland and when LeBron, he was one of those be- one of the best players in the NBA at that t- at that time. And yeah, his fall from grace has been pretty. Uh, I'll I'll tell you right now, in Cleveland, he can do no wrong. Yeah, and he could literally go out and murder a hundred people, and we're still putting a statue of him in front of our our sure. stadium. And I think there's a couple players that have that type of uh, like respect. Like I've heard, I mean, gosh. Well, I mean, we have we have our Jim Brown statues already, and he yeah. threw women off balconies for Christ's sake. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's plenty. Well, there's plenty of athletes that have survived like pretty 
horrendous allegations and things just because of how talented they are. But yeah, I mean, Kyrie is, uh, his, his controversy just doesn't seem to end, man. And like, he's, but he's so talented. I mean, he's, he's an amazing player. And yeah, Dallas is going to be interesting to see how he works out there. But it seems like that already isn't really going too well because they tanked their last game of the season. Yeah. So, uh, have you been to the movies lately? Uh, let me think if I have, uh, I have, I mean, I haven't been physically to the movies in a bit, but I did go and just saw, um, what was I just watching? Uh, oh, triangle of sadness. Have you seen this movie? No. What's, what's that? Triangle of sadness is, is a really great film. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and if anybody out there listening is, is looking for a new movie to check out, that's definitely one that I would recommend, but, uh, it's, it's kind of this movie. It's super hectic. I'll, I'll lead with that. Like it, it's, it's got a million different things going on. Woody Harrelson's in it, which he has a great, great. spot in it. Um, but it's a movie about sort of these two young models, male and female that are in a relationship, but yeah. they're only dating to get more followers on each other's Instagrams. <laughs> and they're both like just very, uh, superficial and like you know getting these are the stupidest arguments about like social media and like she's more famous than him so he like takes photos for her and they go on these like trips that they win because they're influencers and like it's it's the most la like just take on the whole social media craze and frenzy that like is a lot of the world right now and it's just got the satirical like uh um kind of outlook on it and then they get like stranded on this desert island and they can't even make a fire but they like you know are obsessed with their cell phone still and it's it's really funny man like i loved it and i thought woody harrelson was amazing in it he's like the captain of the ship that they're on that their crews that they won yeah it's go check it out for sure that i've never even heard of that this sounds amazing i think it's got some critical acclaim like i like it's it's been in some big awards um the director who did it, I, I don't quote me on this, but I, well, I believe he's Swedish and he's younger. And this was like uh, his second big movie and it did really well. So now he's like coming onto the scene. But um, anyway, yeah, go go watch it. It's really good. So as far as TV goes, are you watching Yellow Jackets or are you watching like Ted Lasso? Because I love Ted Lasso. I need to watch Ted Lasso. I'm going to get into Succession soon too. That's my next uh, journey, but I just finished uh, Only Murders in the Building. Oh, I just started that. I'm about six episodes into that, and I love it. Yeah, you know, it's like I I I enjoyed it a lot, but I and I've spoken to people that watched it too, and they're like, ah, oh, you know, it's kind of silly, like it's not that serious or whatever. And it's like, well, you got to sort of take it for what it is. Like it's so mindless, and you can just throw it on, and it's I think it's pretty funny, and I enjoy it. Um, and I love uh, who's it's not Selena. Not I mean I know Selena's in it, but who's the and it's not Steve Martin. Who's or Martin Short? Is that his? yeah? He is so funny, man. I <laughs> I could just watch him go on any show. You got uh, uh, you got two thirds of the three amigos in this thing. Yeah, yeah. you got weird. you just got Selena instead of Chevy. That's all you got there. It's basically <laughs> the three amigos in a hotel. That's all. It's yeah. What Martin Shorts is 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 so and all his outfits, man. He's he. Uh, and I love how he doesn't eat anything either. Do you, do you pick out like he just does the dips? Yeah, 
it's a it's a fun show. And like I said, I'm only six episodes in, but yeah. it's so different than anything else I've ever seen. Yeah. And yeah. and it's funny because the tie-in for for what we do is the podcast. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even think of that. I didn't even and think of that. Just, I it, I didn't even realize that's what they were going to go with that. And I was yeah. just laughing so hard when they started the podcast. Well, it, it oddly kind of ties into what we were saying about Triangle of Sadness. Like it applies sort of the modern world of like, you know, even Zoom or podcasts and same with Triangle of Sadness. Like the way they t- their take on social media was just really funny to watch a movie about kind of how stupid it is. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think that only murders in the building does the same thing with the podcast. Like, I love how they all, uh, you know, sit down and like Tina Fey has her podcast. It's like the competition and season two is good too. Uh, I just finished that, but I, I did enjoy when for, uh, they thought uh, sting was the murderer. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I can totally see that. Hey, Kate, have you watched this show yet? Casey? Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen. I watched the first uh, first season. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Martin Short. If you go back, um, I'm not sure if you've ever seen this or heard of it, JD. But uh, there's there was a show that he did back in the day called Jiminy Glick. Mm-mm. Have you ever heard of that? I, oh my! To be God. honest, I actually haven't even really heard of him. I mean, I've heard the name and I know kind of of him, but this is like the first show I've watched with him front and center. Uh, and I oh love man. Him. Oh, so you got he was, yeah, he's got a rabbit hole to go down then. Yeah, yeah. You remember Jiminy Glick, right, right? Oh yeah. Jiminy So Glick. he would he would dress in this fat suit, right? <laughs> and he, he would he would do an interview show like this and he would have like two chairs and he his chair was a lot like it was really small and he was in this big fat suit and he would like get up in this chair like this and he so and tell me tell me like your darkest secrets like he had this very weird voice that he did for it It was it's really really funny he has he kind of has the voice going in this show like he he kind of has like uh you can tell his range and i don't know yeah he's you can see why he's so talented and how uh he can go anywhere and like some of his little one-liners are are (laughs) terrific but yeah I, I like the dips thing, man. I, I just, for whatever reason, thought that's so funny. It's just, it's so well written. Um, so I'm going to segue that so well written into what are you working on currently as far as a writer? Yeah, man, it's a good question. Uh, and, and, uh, have been for a while. Um, so kind of what I could divulge at this, at this juncture of this next project I'm working on is, so during COVID, um, I did the bulk of Darling, You're Not Alone. And that was when I was writing that book and, um, you know, just kind of like taking advantage of the world being at like this forever standstill uh, just to write. And I think I kind of got to a stage where I'd, I'd written it, then I would send it out to like, you know, my kind of my core really inner circle and get all these notes and feedback. And then I'd implement what I liked and what I didn't. And then I'd take a break and then I'd come back to it. And I did this for like a, you know, a couple of years. Um, but there was one session where I'd send it out and, um, you know, usually, I mean, people are busy, right? It take, they can't finish a whole book in, in under a, a month. So during one of these months, I wrote a different book 
Um, it was, it probably took me more like six weeks and I wrote it kind of just for fun, uh, as a personal, a personal project. I didn't share with anybody what it was about. And, um, I, uh, and then put it away and I've never done this. Like with Moonflower, it was like starts all the way through to the end until it was published. That was the only thing I worked on. Darling, same thing. And then I just had this kind of moment where I had another idea and I just wanted to run with it. And I, I wanted it to be sort of very different. And, um, and then I shelved it and put it away and then went back to Darling and then was, you know, involved with Darling. And then obviously went on the book tour for Darling and the whole nine. But what's interesting is this book, the third one, my agent, who was the only other person that had read it, she said to me, she thought it was by far my best book I'd ever written. And she had read Moonflower, obviously, and Darling. And then when she read this, she's like, this is, I think this is going to be like a really special project. And it was like super rough. Like, no, I mean, it was second or third draft she read. And I don't share that with anybody. Um, So yeah, needless to say, I've been super pumped to like dive back into it. And so for the last few months, I've been going back and revisiting that project uh, and making changes and edits. And um, yeah, it's uh, and it's coming along. And I, I, I uh, am hoping to kind of get that to like a, maybe a more final stage by the end of June. Uh, that's sort of my goal for it. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's a fun book for sure. Well, thanks for not telling us any details about it. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> well, look, look, I could I could say that uh, at this point, um, the book is. Uh, that's is, fine. Uh, you, you don't have to give anything away. I don't want you to give anything away. Well, but but I, I sort of what I can tell you is like I sort of got the idea from watching Euphoria, uh, which is another great show for anybody who uh, maybe hasn't watched it or is looking for a show. That's an amazing one, and it's kind of about this group of kids that uh, are super wealthy come from like, like a lot of money and uh, you know, driving around like the Range Rover and have dad's debit card and just can like spend an exorbitant amount of money and swear that they have problems. Um, And it's kind of this like ragtag group of kids that it's the summer before they all go to college. And um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's a lot like the books, like a lot of chaos, a lot of, uh, shenanigans getting into trouble but it's also got this like kind of sweet bent and element uh to like just you know youth and like the the sort of uh dangers and pitfalls of like what these kids don't realize is you know the world can be a dangerous place and uh yeah it's uh so that's a little bit what it's about but do you ever plan to get one of these books made into a movie or your life story made into a movie um you know, I think when I first began my career, I was very, my writing career, I was very, that was always a dream. That's like a big dream of mine was to see one of my books get turned into a film. Um, and I think to answer that question, I would say, I I think Hollywood's awesome. I have friends in it that I love and I've made, I've, you know, met some great people and I'm, I'm, I kind of have one foot in Hollywood, one foot out. Um, but man, do I love just being on my side of the fiction novel, um, being, you know, in, in what I've seen and how hectic it is to like get a movie made, get a showrunner, get a producer, get a studio to buy it. And I think like my time is best spent uh, 
creating these worlds and, and, and putting everything into my book and then letting whatever plays out after that in terms of Hollywood play out because uh, you can just run yourself crazy for years trying to get one movie made where I, I feel like I could have written five or six more books. Yeah, um, that's true. So I think, I think, I think, I think when it's all said and done, it will happen, but it's not something I'm, I'm, I guess I'm forcing maybe as much as I did earlier in my career. I'm kind of letting that come to me. Um, because yeah, I, I had a lot of interest in my first novel being turned into a film and, and still do. And it's, you know, I, I, I'm taking meetings for that and still pursuing that. Um, but I'm not exactly waiting around to, to get started on the next book or the next project. Cause I know how long these things can take. So I guess that is kind of my thought. Now, um, okay, you can pick, if they're going to do a movie about you, I'm going to let you pick any actor you want to play you. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll turn him into a redhead. Uh, Who is the actor that you would like to, to play you? Oh, my gosh, man. Martin Short. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I guess it'd be kind of – I mean, it'd have to play me at <laughs> – at this age, right? I don't know. Yeah, they're gonna. Well, yeah, we're gonna have a young you, but an adult you. We're gonna is our main character, right, right, right. Because he's the narrator. Obviously, you right. would have to do the voice for that part. But. What's uh? What's the guy from Twilight? What's his name? Oh, the Twilight guy, uh, Pat Pattinson. The Pat- yeah, yeah, Robert Pattinson. Yeah, Let's go with that. Go with yeah, that. I was gonna pick Zac Efron. <laughs> I think he'd be great for that. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I'm not opposed either one. We can meet with it. Let's meet with them both and see what they think. You know, let's see what they got. We'll, yeah. we'll make an audition. Yeah, yeah. Let's put <laughs> them we, on, on the podcast and talk. To we them. gotta, we gotta get the hair red first, though, because yeah. if they don't look convincing as a redhead, they're not going to be able to pull it off. Yeah, it I don't work. Care. I don't care how good of an actor you are, if you can't pull off the red, you're not an actor. Hey, man, brother. <laughs> I agree. Tom Hanks though, would have to be my dad for sure. That that's <laughs> there's no negotiation there. That's the role. Love my dad. Shout out to my dad. Uh, we are the biggest Tom Hanks fans on the planet. Now, so. There goes the budget for the whole movie. Yeah. yeah, we already we already spent it on two characters. Yeah, but that's all right because you know we'll get it back in the end. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've also spoken about uh, wanting to live in Paris. Can I convince you that Cleveland is just as good as Paris? Hey, man, I got nothing against Cleveland. Maybe I'll have to visit and then make my decision. I've never been. So how could I know? Right. Like that's right. just that's just something I got to figure out. But um, yeah, that's what, a, what's the, I, what an incredible point that is. I, I know I've heard you say it, but what is the reason that you want to go there? Um. A lot of reasons, man. I, I could talk about Paris for endlessly. Um, Hemingway uh, stuff is a big yeah, part. So, yeah, I think I think the obvious one is Hemingway. I'm, I'm an incredible Hemingway fanatic. Uh, I think he's so gifted, um, and he sort of unlocked, like, a real magic of that city. But I think just furthermore, like, the, the type of uh, stock people – in Europe, I would just say in general, but I would say specific to Paris, put in the arts and in conversation, in dialogue with each other. Um, I've just really enjoyed it. Like the whole cafe society thing is, I think it's really real. 
Um, every time I've been to Europe, I'm like, I mean, I'm just like so energized and, and filled with like creative light that um, I'm always trying to get back. And I think there's just a real beauty in like their way of life and, and uh, how they live and how they carry themselves and what they believe in. And um, I think, but I, I, I will say though, aside from all that, which I think is sa- like sounds pretty and is poetic. I still love the U S a ton. Like I love the grinder working hard. Anything is possible. Achieving your dreams land of opportunity that I think the U S is and still, still completely is. And like so much good going on here. Um, So I don't think like a Paris move or even a Europe move in general is like a long-term thing. I think it's something I would want to do for like a year or two or summer or whatever. Um, But I, I think I would miss the the grind of like what Americans bring to the table in terms of like so much opportunity, so much diversity, um, all my family, my friends, you know, like I would miss that. And I think, uh, yeah. I don't know, I, I alternate back and forth. So, <laughs> but uh, so you've seen the Eiffel Tower, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I've only been to Paris once. Uh, <laughs> I think it was 2018, but yeah, yeah. Just one time. So is, is it as impressive as the, uh, landmarks in America, like the Grand Canyon or yeah, say yeah. Um, St. Louis Arch. I uh, think I think the I think to answer your question, I would say they are the same in terms of like uh, like beauty and allure. But what's different is like your most random basic building in Paris. That's like also a work of art. Where yeah. you know occasionally here it's it's a bit more like you know, cookie cutter, um, be just because their preservation of like their historical landmarks, like everything is a landmark in Paris. Um, well, yeah. but, yeah, but once again, like, uh, we've only been a country for a couple yeah, hundred years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. Some of those, those buildings you're looking at could be 600 years old. And, but see, like, that's the thing is like, cool to look at, but then you have to walk inside and take a shower in that building. Yeah. And like, I'm the whole time you, I'm in Paris, I'm ducking like this. I was gonna say yeah. everything over there was built for dudes my height, like four right. foot tall. So you go over there at like eight foot tall, you're know, you're man. you got a duck to just do anything. Yeah, no, you, like, it's, you probably have, you probably have to duck like to walk under like uh, street lights and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say it's that bad, but definitely like the shower <laughs> and like the mirrors in the bathroom. Like I'm like washing my hands like this, you know, it's like that. And that gets old quick, man. Like you, after a, a week of like hanging your head like this, your neck hurts. So again, uh, yeah, these are things like you, they, they, again, that's what, you know, that's what I meant by like, sounds great, has yeah. a pretty allure, but like, yeah, it's not as practical. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think it's a long-term thing, but. So uh, on your, on your last book tour, you went around and talked to, you know, you did the, the speaking circuit, so to speak. Um. How how did that work out for you? It was awesome, man. Uh, I, I love doing stuff like that. Um, I think what is the coolest part of getting the chance to go and and talk to you know hundreds and people and thousands of people and be on shows and TV and podcasts uh, is just like the like the every day is different. You wake up and there, it's a new type of show, a new 
uh, opportunity. Um, people ask you different questions. People have different interests in what you've done. And um, it was it was a really incredible thing to see. But I think what was cool too is like I got to go to places that, you know, like when we first met, right? Like I'd never met you guys. I'm coming right onto your show and here we go. But then I also had places where I had been for years. Like I, I, you know, TV networks that covered me when I was even in high school that I was returning to with this book and to see like the kind of, um, I guess long, like a tenure or longevity that I had and, and what it's built into now and just how that's going to sort of be like a forever place I'll go is uh, pretty cool. And, um, and then, you know, things like this, like getting to come back and speak with you guys. It's like, yeah, I can't wait to come back with my next book or my next project or whatever it may be, because we've now been getting to know each other for this time. And uh, the relationships you build, I guess is what I'm trying to say is like, that's been really awesome and something I'm still feeling like to this day. And um, it's really special, man, for sure. Yeah. I feel the same way about everybody we talk to. Right. Like uh, we want everyone to come back and talk to us again. Cause you start to, you know, you develop those relationships and it's like you, you root for them. Like I totally get excited when like, you're like, Oh, new book working on it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah let's yeah. get this done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I want you to I want you to write a book every three weeks. Oh my god, man. Me too. I wish. <laughs> if it was that easy, we'd all do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the ideas, man, they come. I mean, I I kind of always like I was someone was asking me recently, like, where do you get your ideas from? And I actually kind of always get them while I'm working on something else. Like I'll be sort of like really engrossed in something I'm writing, and then boom, like some other idea will strike me. And I have a book where I actually just write idea, book ideas down in. And the more books I write, the more that book fills up with like, so now I have just too many. Like I've got all <laughs> these books. I like, I'm afraid I'm never going to be able to write, but. Yeah, um, but you're young. You got uh, a long way to go yet. Yeah, yeah for sure. But I, I, I'm a, but I'm afraid of what I'm, but I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I'm afraid of how when I wrote my first book, I had like an idea for one more. But then when I wrote my second, then I had like eight and then three, it's like 16, 17. And now I'm like, dude, you know, I can't <laughs> possibly keep up with that. I don't know. Stephen King, he writes. Pro he does, man. So He's, I think you just got to figure out the system. I just read his on writing um, maybe like a month ago, two months ago. And it was brilliant, man. I mean, he is like it's it's amazing what he's accomplished in his life as a writer and also what he's done in terms of like you know blazing the trail man like like he's so out of bounds eccentric yeah. uh creative and and he pushes the bar and like he's uh we're all better for it like like he's sort i think in this world of kind of like hyper censorship with books and storytelling He's continued to just say, you know what, I'm doing it my way and like, like it or not. And, and, and he's respected for it. And, uh, we need pioneers like that because, uh, yeah, people are, people are ready to, to take everything away from you for one little slip up. And like Stephen King's books are banned in a lot of places now. And he's like, I don't care. Like, I think he had a, he had a tweet recently. It was, it was epic, man. He tweeted, Hey, like he tweeted, like this is a message to all of you kids out there in high schools 
that uh, have a have a list of books that are banned at your library, go 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 online and buy those books right now and start reading them and and figure out what they're trying to keep from you. You know, yeah. and it's like, yeah, we need we need guys like Stephen King to continue to fight for the the idea of like freedom of speech and especially in books because it is important. So, well, thankfully, it looks like his son got the 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 writer's uh, gift. So that's a yeah. good. Yeah. Now he's, yeah. Uh, Steven, <laughs> I mean, and, and he's had his battles too, man. He, he went through some drug problems. He went through some alcohol problems and he writes about all of that in his on writing. If you haven't read it, I would highly recommend that too. And, and his car act, his, uh, he got hit by a car. I don't know if you guys heard about that. That was a whole thing, but anyway. How do you think those books got so good? He was on a yeah. lot of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he he talks about a couple of books he wrote. He doesn't remember a single sentence like that he wrote. I mean, it, it's it's pretty insane. Yeah, and he and he writes about how like he he couldn't. Yeah, he he like reads them today, and he's like, I I have no idea where this. Came he's from. like, uh, this author's amazing. Who yeah. is? It? <laughs> Man, I wish I would have picked up a freaking pencil when I was on all yeah, fucked sure. up on drugs. <laughs> Jesus. You just have Hunter Thompson stuff where it's like, uh, it's uh, fear and loathing when you get to that chapter and it just says everything unintelligible and it just goes <laughs> to the next t- chapter. That'd be your whole book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's all artists, man. Talk about musicians, painters, um, you know, like directors actors i mean yeah the like influence of drugs and alcohol in their careers like it's i don't know i mean it's kind of i mean it's obviously a super dangerous game like the you know there's been some amazing musicians that life's got cut short because of drugs but like yeah they've made some of the best music on the planet so yeah it's crazy all right where are we at on time there casey how we doing we're doing good, man. Whatever I, I'm, I, I'm going to have a pleasure going back and listening to this interview because I've just been in and out. My internet know, is yeah, terrible <laughs> today in Florida. I apologize. No, no worries, man. You should, again, I, think, I think I've got a steady connection now. I, I, so you I better, know. you better ask some questions if you still got internet. Well, I had a, I thought you were going to pop over for the real questions to me and I, my real question you already oh, asked. Oh, damn it. But, well, you're gonna have to I come hear the stuff. answer to it, so I can. So I can. <laughs> All right, so we have this new segment where we do real talk, and um, Mark Singer is the one that came up with this. And basically, he's going to ask you a question, and you have sixty seconds to answer it the best you can. Okay. Yeah, All and right. since you've already asked the question, oh, uh, you have to come up with another one. That's uh, not. Come my- on. <laughs> You know, this happens to be every week. All right. All right. So we already know who would play you in a movie if uh, if there was a movie about your yep. life. Yep. Who would you pick to play your mother if that movie happened? Yeah, obviously another very important uh, role to cast in the film of my life. Um, I would have to go with Nicole Kidman for sure. Uh, my mom and my mom's a big Nicole Kidman fan. Uh, so that would be fitting. So she'd get to meet her too on set or wherever we're filming this this project. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, we got a pretty great cast between Hanks, Pattinson and Kidman. Um, so I'm pretty, actually, I'm pretty stoked about this. <laughs> nice. I, I am too. Start filming, yeah. 
Are you still on the move as much as you were before JD with the with all the promotions for the books? Because like I've been out to California a bunch of times, and I'm always like, you know, hey man, I'm in the area, and you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm up here, I'm I, I'm down here. I can't. <laughs> is it still uh, is it still as crazy as it was? You know, it's it's it actually quieted down for a bit, which was great, and I got to really like jump into this next book and do a lot of work with that. Um, but I. Uh, it's starting to pick up again. Like I'm starting to do more interviews and get back out and about. And uh, this looks like, you know, the summer is going to be like a lot of travel and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, man, I, I, I seem to always be moving around quite a bit uh, no matter what I'm doing. And that doesn't seem to be stopping. So yeah, it's pretty funny, but, That's but if awesome, you're in the man. area, let me know because again, yeah, I, will. We, I always do visits are special, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man yeah that, that was a cool little uh coffee shop that we went to know, your, who, know, the your other boy nico right he plays Nietzsche. he played for nietzsche yeah he plays for another uh you guys were talking basketball earlier it was that was all like i was <laughs> i'm kind of glad my internet wasn't working because i have no idea what you guys were, were talking about but he he also is a, a player right he, play, yeah, he played in another yeah. country somewhere right yeah he played at san diego state uh and then played professionally i believe in spain um but he's been yeah an incredible influence on my, me and my career uh and he's got some stuff big stuff coming soon as well and i've been kind of advising him a little bit and uh yeah i'm really glad you guys got to meet too because uh he's just becoming more and more important in my uh in everything that i'm doing and um yeah, you got to have good people around you for sure, man, because it gets busy and uh, there's a lot of different places to go and people to meet with. And also just kind of like the business side of what I do. He's been really helpful in terms of like advising, like, you know, uh, social media stuff, uh, meetings with you know potential investors for projects and, um, you know, just kind of giving that that business ear to my kind of creative side, I guess. Um, which has been very, very important and invaluable. So, yeah, having a good team around you is is really, really important because if you're anything like me, like <laughs> I, I like to have shit done exactly the way that I want it done, and I, it's very hard to trust other people in the way. Like, you know, we run this podcast network. There's twenty, twenty seven or twenty eight shows on it right now, and like everybody's like. You know, let me know if you need any help with the with this or the, I'm like, ah, I got it. I'm good. Yeah, Cause it's because it's yeah. I want shit the way that I want it done. Yeah. You know. And I've I've just recently, if anyone's taken notice of the Instagram, our Instagram page has gone crazy because I let Ray take over. And it's <laughs> I mean, it's it's gone crazy for the for the better because I didn't have time for it. And and. Ray now has the access to our Instagram page, and it's it's that's it's pretty crazy how how well it's done too. I yeah, I'm it. having, I, I'm having a good time running it. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what I I say the same thing all the time, Casey. I say just let Casey do it. <laughs> He's got it under control. <laughs> hey, you got to delegate, man. I, I I've learned okay. to be better about that because I used to be the same way. Um, but th- then you start to see there is really things that can be done, like outsource and done much better and um yeah i mean i think uh what i've learned too i guess and this is maybe sort of just kind of ties in a few different things we've spoken about today is like i think i've learned that you know with my first book 
that was kind of like the center of my world and everything I talked about all the time was like moonflower, moonflower, moonflower. And then I wrote Darling, You're Not Alone. And then that came out. And then that web sort of built into like a whole nother outlet of people and media opportunities and book tour. But then that would, and then in turn put more focus on my first book and then people would rediscover that. And then now that I'm writing my third, I'm sort of seeing how, yeah, this like never really ends. It only gets more, it only gets trickier once you have more multiple projects out to then like keep the irons hot on each one and you kind of bounce back and forth. And I've only come, I feel like I've really only recently come to learn like that's just how it's going to be. And um, you just have to, you know, you have to wear different hats and juggle different things. So I guess why I'm saying this now is like, that's when I think it's important to have other people that are helping you and advising you and uh, giving you, you know, you know, doing some of the legwork while you're working on the third book or the fourth book or whatever. So is the process still the same for this third book? Are you still handwriting it all in a notebook and <laughs> taking pictures of it? And... <laughs> it's good memory, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Same, same exact uh, format. I've been following for that. So dude, you know, what's really funny is, my memory is shit. Like I have, I smoke pot every day. I'm not ashamed to to admit that. My my short term memory is horrible, and and long term because I can't remember like anything from when I was a child. But but like shit that we talk about on the podcast. Like That's I had awesome. a, I had a yeah. few other podcasts too, and like I might not remember exactly what episode it was said on, but I, I am really good at remembering things about uh, our guests and, uh, and interviews and stuff like that. So it's funny how, I mean, you, you kind of like, I, I kind of write about that in some ways is, in I guess in life, at least maybe, maybe I'm like this, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but like the big, some of the big moments, like, I don't know, I haven't been married, but like your wedding day or graduating from college or high school or prom or, or like whatever it is that like was like a monumental happening in your life, kind of actually you don't remember as much of the detail as you do. And sometimes some of the most random, small minor occurrences where you could you could literally remember the shirt you were wearing the shoes you're wearing what time it was when it happened and um i'm i'm super fascinated by that um i think it's like i mean i don't know if it's like a spiritual thing or it's just kind of like this human nature interacting with the world thing but like i always try to bottle that in the books i write with like the sequences of of that end up shaping the people we are um yeah i I, i'm kind of drawn to that oddly and i think it's a i think it's a really weird fascinating thing but yeah it it really is because there's other guys like like the guy that we talked to last week tommy chong like that he's like talk about potheads i mean that guy is (laughs) you know there isn't a larger pothead in america than tommy chong and like the stories that he can remember from his days you know, is like unless he's just been telling the same made up story sure, for that long, up, yeah. <laughs> or or like Joey Diaz. I listen to Joey Diaz every his yeah. podcast uh, every week. Same thing. Like he was addicted to coke, and uh, you know he smokes weed constantly. And like 
he tells the same stories over and over again, and there's never a detail that's wrong. And he's already called like for, he's like you you cocksuckers don't believe me. He's like let's call my friend, and he'll he'll call a friend from like New Jersey from to 40 confirm. years ago, and they'll tell the same story. It's like I wish that I could remember like that. That's funny. That's funny, man. Yeah. Well, I also I mean I guess this is just like a more practical little comment, but like when I write things down, I remember them way better. Even if it's something that like I write it and I throw the piece of paper away or whatever, but like if I'm in a meeting with someone and I, they, you know, I need to remember something, I just write it down and then I don't know, it just sticks. But um, is, is it, uh, it, there's a weird thing I have when I write something down, I don't have to see it anymore. I can see it in my head. Yeah. I don't right. Remember, right, exactly. I can see the image of what I wrote on the paper. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, more yeah. things more things that are happening to me now. Like I travel for work. We've talked about this before, but yeah. I, I'll write like a specific thing down when it happens just so I don't forget it because I want to mm. talk about it, you know, on the podcast or tell somebody about it. And mm. same thing. Like I'm like, oh, I wrote that down and now it's not leaving my head. <laughs> you know? Well, I'll tell you I'll tell you guys this too, and this is this is something I've figured out for me through writing, but it kind of applies to just life in general is um, I think, I, I think I'm, I'm almost certain I mentioned this on our first episode, but I, when I write any book, I have a playlist I listen to for that book specifically where it's like, this is the music I, I listen to while writing this book. Right. And I will only listen to those songs while I'm working on that book actively um and then and then like while i'm like if that if i'm in like a writing period while i'm in the car i'm listening to those songs too and i'm thinking about that book and i kind of like drill that into my own head so then when i'm like exiting like right now the book i'm not currently working on my third book it's with my editor so i'm not writing every day and um i won't listen to any of those songs and the minute I re- that book gets back to me and it's it's time it's my time to like go through her edits i'm going to be right back into that music and i've found that with since now this is the like the third book i'm doing this with when i go and listen to songs i wrote my first book with it's like instantly i remember where i was when i was writing that passage and what was going on and it's like i have memories that are kind of trapped in songs throughout my whole life because that's how I don't know like what the word would be but just like uh kind of how intense I am with like that discipline of only listening to a song when it's like applies to something um and yeah it's not just writing it's now like anything that I do I find that the music like has that capability to like remind me of that thing but that's a that's a big part of life is uh music's tied to a lot of memories yeah yeah, for sure. It's crazy. I mean, it, it really does just like transport you back to oh, yeah. a, a feeling or an idea. And um, yeah, I, I, I've, I've had this take too, which I think is, I think is kind of hilarious is like when I see pro athletes, like specifically, obviously basketball players. And I mean, no offense to Gabe and all the guys <laughs> we've talked about, because I think they're superstars and it's amazing what they do. But I, I, when I watch them, I don't really see them as this, like, this heroic, like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe how they do that. Like, I know how they do that, right? Like, I know the hours that go into it. Like, I know what those plane trips are right. like. I know what those arenas filled with screaming people are like. 
like I know I know the ins and outs of sports. When I read books that are really prolific and like writers and even movies and directors, I feel the same. Like I'm like, oh, that's an amazing scene they wrote. Like I I can I can put myself in the head of like whoever created that and I appreciate it, but I don't see it as like that's impossible. When I listen to music that does that, I'm like I have no idea how anyone could have ever come up with like Stairway to Heaven, Led Zeppelin. Like to to have watched Led Zeppelin put that song, like that's, those are my heroes, I guess, as I'm trying to say, like to come up with a song out of thin air seems so insane because that's what I use to write. So it's like, where do they get their inspiration from? I don't know. I mean, it's just so, so wild to me, but. Uh, well, they're, they're, they're thieves of American blues music, JT. Yeah, and I'll that's tell how you, they came up with it. Yeah, they, guys, they, they get it from somebody. They have well, to. I write music, and all those guys do is make me want to stop. That's <laughs> it's just like you just want to take a guitar and throw it out a window, and you hear something come on. Like uh, I really got into this band lately called uh, White Reaper, and uh, you know it, it never fails. Year after year after year, another band comes along, and just when you think there's nothing else, yeah, that's going to come out that you're going to be like, this won't be. There's nothing left, and then a band like that comes out, and I'm like, damn it, the kids are still coming up with music. <laughs> I don't know how they're doing it, but they they found a secret chord that nobody else knew about. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Well, and like, I mean, I feel like Jimi Hendrix. Like, I, I listen to a lot of Jimi Hendrix while I'm writing my new book, and the 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 place his music takes me is like it's wild it's it's like so i don't know it's fascinating how um it can do that to you and i i, I mean he's like a one of one to me like there's only certain things I, like i i don't think i'll be able to listen to jimi hendrix and not work on this new book you know because of that now and um yeah and and his rabbit hole is like one that i'm just kind of discovering like the the dense catalog of his stuff. And um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. You, man. I mean, music is so interesting to me. You have so much to discover yet. JD. I know, man. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is another question about your process. So we're going to be talking to, in a few weeks, David Morell. He wrote um, first blood, the, the Rambo book. He oh, was cool. the creator yeah. of Rambo. Amazing. Yeah. So like during the deep dive for him, he, he has actually like done everything that like he's taken every kind of you know firearms training class he might even be like a helicopter pilot Mm -hmm. you know he scuba diving and he does all this you know so he knows how to write about it have you found yourself doing anything like that like are you taking like you know are you learning about different things so you can write about it better yeah so i i think um I think how I've approached that in my writing has been like more in terms of, um, and that's a great question. It's actually one that I've thought about. Like, so I guess I'll backtrack before I kind of answer it. I had an idea for a book that was about uh, blind people that were interacting with each other. And I knew in all honesty, and this kind of goes back to what Ray and I were talking about earlier with like the book ideas that I get, like that's one that I would like, earmark in my place where I write my book ideas and say, all right, like if you want to really write this book and do it well, you have to go and 
interact with people that are blind or could, or could tell you like what it is like, or, you know, I don't know, some sort of immersive way uh, because you can't really do it justice unless you really do know some of those things. Um, but like the idea for this third book, which is kind of about this like um, group of really affluent kids who come from like all this money and all this opportunity yet think they got real problems. Like I really lived around a lot of these kids like this growing up and being from like the suburbs of Los Angeles, like you see these types of things go on. And, um, but that being said, like, I also felt like I've gotten ideas for characters and there's a character, very important character in this new book that isn't like any of the people I've ever met in my life. It's more just kind of like, fictional characters I've, I've, I've encountered in books and stories. And she feels so real to me and I have such a voice for her yet. I've never really met anyone like her. So I guess I've kind of got a little bit of both where like I do write from things I've experienced and like lived, but also sometimes like the right mix comes in where it's, it's, it's like something that just comes out of thin air, but it's from a movie or a TV show I've watched. And I do think though, um, like books about war and that sort of atrocity. Like I just read also uh, All is Quiet on the Western Front, which was also an amazing movie that just came out and the remake of that. And I know that that writer, Eric Maria Remark, I believe is his name. He was actually in World War One, And I think those books to like be able to write a real war book, you have to have like really seen it and experienced it. Um, I think that's one that like, I've often thought is like, you have to have been on the front lines and seen that um, to be able to write about it. But yeah, that's a a super fascinating point for sure. But I I guess, and I would say kind of a final note on that is like, I do find myself wanting to experience some different things so I can write about them for sure. And people definitely have told me that I do do that. Like maybe I don't even realize it or not, but. Yeah, yeah. Let's get you in a race car and get you right up. Book about that. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Like, I, met, I met JD. I don't know if he could fit in a race car, man. He's a tall, yeah. tall boy. He'd I have kind to of, uh, actively seek out people that are like really unique characters. And like one of my buddies always tells me that he's like, "Dude, you don't. I don't know if you love that person. You just think they're really funny or they're really fascinating." Or and I'm like, "No, that's like I think they're really funny." And he's like, "I don't know, dude, but." yeah that's funny <laughs> yeah i tell my girlfriend about people all the time fascinating who i think are fascinating people yeah. and she's like okay whatever yeah 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 no it's funny man what else you got ray uh i i think that's all i got for this one right. so i think i'm gonna ask i'm gonna have to ask jd to tell us where we can find him and what the hell's going on yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean like on social media? Yeah. Give us, give us your social media stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I'm uh, JD underscore Slackert on Instagram and uh, Twitter, and there it is. Book number two, "Darling, You're Not Alone," available now on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, wherever books are sold. You can go ahead and find that. Also, my first book, "Moonflower." And then you can find me on my website at jdwritesbooks.com, uh, where you can also get that cool hat. And, uh, there's, yeah, there's the hat. There we go. And, uh, yeah, find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, any social media, my website and, uh, yeah, reach out, 
find a way to interact. Uh, always looking to communicate with anybody who has read my books and uh, take something from them. I think that's super special. And yeah, more more books to come out and more more to be had. I also have a short story called Joining the Choir Invisible. Um, that's also available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon. So maybe if you like shorter stuff, that's that could be for you too. So Nice. All right, my friend, we super appreciate you coming on with us for the second time. Oh, look man. forward <laughs> to the third time. Yeah, already, man. And look, I yes. uh, I mean it when I say you guys are some of my favorites. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. The, the support does not go unnoticed. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be coming back, no doubt. Thank you, brother. We appreciate it, man. All right. I'll, I'll see you in California. Yeah, let me know, man. You know where to find me. All right, buddy. Thank All you, right. man.